you here in the modern service, um, and for those of you in the contemporary service, I'm John Alexander, the Minister of Elementary Children here, and I have the opportunity to speak to you today and continue our series in the book of James. But I do want to pause for a moment. Based on this week's events in our society, in our nation, um, I would like to pause for a minute and just to share uh, with you that, that I don't know where you are, I don't know what you're feeling, um, but today my heart hurts um, because the reality is that there are eight lives that were alive last Sunday when we met who are no longer alive. Their opportunity to submit to Christ as Lord and Savior is gone. And that, that should be something that as a church we at least think about. Some of us have been thinking about it all week. Some of us have been in the middle of conversations about it. Some of us have been on vacation and, and came home to hear stuff. The truth is, our, our land needs healing. And for the land to heal means the church has to heal. And for the church to heal, it starts with us because we are the church. And so today I just wanted to share um, just a quick verse with you that you're going to know. Um, you've heard it before. But it's just a reminder for us. And then I'm going to ask you to pray with me, okay? If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. Today, we need that. As a church, we need it. As individuals, we need it. As a nation, we need that. And so I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads with me for a moment, and we're going to pray. Father, we come to you right now and we mourn with those who mourn uh, for um, family, friends, co-workers who are no longer going to see an individual that last week they rubbed shoulders with, talked with, laughed with, cried with. Lord, I lift up um, just our church as a whole. Lord, we need to know how best to respond. We need to know what you're calling us to do or to say or to be. Lord, we need to hear from you today. We need your words to penetrate our heart. We need your truth to stand upon. We need your love to extend. Lord, for, for these individuals who are standing before you right now, for these eight people, who their chance to say yes is done. I pray, Lord, that they all knew you. But we know the reality is, is some may not. And Lord, that should bring us to a sober reality that as individuals, you are calling us. As we just commissioned a mission team, you're calling us to go into the farthest places. But Lord, you're also calling us to to be the church right here in our community. So I pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom. But Lord, today I pray that, that we would do exactly what you say, that we would humble and that we would turn from our wicked ways. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for letting me do that. Um, today, as we continue the book of James, 
Um, it's no accident that I was asked to speak today. It's no accident that the passage that I was asked to speak on, although falls in line in the order of how things were divided up before Pastor Paul left for, for his mission trip and family vacation, but it's amazing how God works because today's words, we need them. And you're going to find out why very soon. But before we start and talk about these next verses, I have to warn you about something. You will be tempted to take this information and point fingers at other people. You're going to think of instances in your own life or in your sphere of influence or in our country where you're going to say, yeah, I sure wish they would do that. And I'm begging you, don't take that step. If that comes to mind, ignore it. Ask the Holy Spirit to push it aside. Because the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and where you are right now. We know these words are important today. Why? Well, it's the third time in the book of James that he is referencing the words that come out of our mouth. The first time he did it in James 1, did it in verse 26, and he talked about how an unbridled tongue equals a worthless religion. The second time he did it, he did it in James chapter 3, verses 5 through 12, saying that the tongue defiles the whole body. With it we bless God, but we curse men. Brothers, this cannot be. And as David Klein mentioned last week, anytime we hear something repeated in the word of God, we must pay close attention to it. It is so important for us. The whole word is important to us, but, but that is God knocking on our hearts and saying, listen to what I'm saying. And today is no different. If you have your Bibles, open up to James chapter 5. And today we're going to look at verse 12. James chapter 5, verse 12. Maybe it's because I'm the minister of children and I keep things simple, but they only gave me one verse. Verse 12. That's all we're looking at today. They know what I can handle and what I can't handle. I appreciate that in my leader. Um, we will be tempted to read this verse, as I said, in point fingers. But we will also be tempted to read this verse and let it pass by because the concepts... And the actions asked of us, well, they're not, they're not hard. They're not new. We've been teaching our kids this, and we learned it growing up. And, and it would be easy for us to do what James tells us not to do in James chapter 1, verse 22. Merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself and not do what it says. So read this with me. And then we're going to unpack it today. Verse 12 begins, But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but your yes is to be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. What's simply being stated is, um, don't promise stuff. Just whatever you say, do it. All right, that took eight minutes. We're done, right? 
I don't think so. I think God wants to teach us more. We know this. We know that what we say, what comes out of our mouth, should be what we do. This is very interesting to me that James wrote these words. Why? Well, because James is the brother of Jesus. And the brother of Jesus, at one point in time, if you look through the book of Matthew, you will find he didn't agree with Jesus. In fact, there's one day where Jesus is in a home and he's, and he's meeting with people and teaching and a, someone comes to him and says, hey, your, your mother, your brother, your sister, they're outside. They, they really need to talk to you. The reason they needed to talk to him is because they needed to tell him he was crazy and he needed to stop with this Lord stuff. They disagreed with who he said he was. That's the James we're talking about. And that's why these words are so interesting to us because these words are not new for James. In fact, it's a paraphrase of the very words that came out of Christ's mouth at the Sermon on the Mount. So I'm going to ask you to hang on to there, okay? And we're going to flip over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 33. His sermon's already on a roll, okay? And in verse 33, it's going to sound very familiar to what we just read. Read it with me. Again, you have heard that the ancients were told you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make any oath by your head, for you cannot make your hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. Today, we need Jesus' words to penetrate our heart. We need him to speak to us. We need to listen. Because the hardest part about today is not this lesson. The hardest part about today will be the application part. There probably won't be anybody to leave the room today that's not upset with me. I'm just going to tell you that up front because we're gonna talk about some application pieces that none of us want to hear. But we need it, we need it. Because a changed world starts with a changed us. Jesus starts out his statement and he says, you've heard it said. Well, what was he talking about? Well, are you guys okay if I just throw papers as I go? Is that fine? Just. It's a little crowded up here, okay? Um, what he's referring to is Numbers 30, Deuteronomy 23, Leviticus 19, and other places where God said these kind of things as he passed the law from Moses to the Israelites. He would say things like, if a man vows um, to the Lord or takes an oath to bind himself with a binding obligation, he shall not violate his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Those are the kind of things that, that he was referencing. You, you've heard this said, okay? Um, Deuteronomy 23 talks about your promises to men should be as if you're promising to the Lord. 
Leviticus 19 talks about that a broken promise profanes the name of the Lord. So that's what he's referring to. But then he goes on to talk about not to, not to swear by the temple and, and things like that because earlier Jesus encountered the Pharisees and they had this, this kind of debate, although you never really won those when it came to Jesus. Um, he, he explains to them, look, you guys will swear on the, or you'll say swearing on the altar is no good, but swearing on the offering on the altar, that's good. Or, or swearing on the temple's gold is good, but just swearing on the temple isn't. And he said, stop. What's more important, the temple or the God who dwells there? You swear on anything, swear by the Lord. But here he's saying you shouldn't need to. As a children of God, we shouldn't need to. And, and here's what I thought about. I thought about, you know what, our words, they have weight. They have weight. What produces that weight? Truth. Truth is what gives our words weight. Think about the most honest person you know. When they say things, you listen. That's the weight of their words. But think about what happens when someone says something dishonest to you. The next statement from them does not carry as much weight. I'll give you an example in our house. Um, uh, with Kendra um, working um, in the hospital right now, um, I am now, uh, you know, dad slash babysitter slash, you know, all that stuff a little bit more than I have been over the years. And so Emma looked at me, my 10-year-old, she said, um, Dad, can we go to the pool? This was last week. And I said, yes, we go to the pool. Well, we kind of worked through the morning of trying to get some stuff done around the house, um, and, and, you know, kitchen, picking up. Uh, I mean, it looked like a Lego bomb had gone off uh, in one of the rooms. Uh, you know. And so I was like, let's, let's get some of this done real quick. And before we knew it, noon showed up. There it is. Whoa, okay. Day's, day's half over. Let's eat some lunch, then let's go to the pool. Yay, Dad's the best. Woohoo. Well, the only problem was at lunchtime, my two-year-old Ian was throwing a fit with everything involved. That's not the right chair I'm sitting in. That's not the right food in front of me. I don't like the sippy cup you gave me. I, it was just one fit after another. And I realized the boy probably didn't get enough sleep. He needs to take a nap. It's nap time according to the schedule around one o'clock or so. And so I said, guys, let's put Ian down for a nap because we don't want to take that to the pool. Okay? And so we did. Ian slept four and a half hours. My daughter looked at me and said, Dad, you said we'd go to the pool. You're right, I did. She walked off mad. Rightfully so. I said it. My answer was yes. In fact, it's interesting that Jesus uses these words yes and no. Because in and of themselves, by themselves, they don't make much sense. I'll give you an example. Let's pretend the sermon just started, the, sum, the, the lights are down, the bumper just played, and I walked up and I said, yes, and stood here. Yes, what? It makes no sense by itself. 
But in a response to something, it makes great sense. I'll give you an example. If you come hang out at my house sometime around the beginning of September through November, okay, and the Dallas Cowboys come on TV, you will hear me say, no! Because our quarterback broke his collarbone for the second time. See, that word makes sense. That's why I titled today's sermon, Authentic Responses. Because we, as a church and as individuals, have a chance to respond to everything around us. And Jesus is telling us today that when we say yes as a response, then our actions should be a yes. In fact, it's our actions that show that it's a true statement. But unfortunately, many times, like myself, our actions become false actions. They don't fulfill with the, the things that come out of our mouth, and we lose credibility. Our words lose weight. And we're, we're in the middle of the mess. I told you the principle of it's not hard. Well, here's what we do to try to remedy that, okay? And they did it here. If you look again, Jesus said, you know, you've heard all these things, but he says, but I tell you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, etc. So what were they doing? Well, they were swearing on things. Why would they swear on these things? Because their words did not carry weight in and of themselves. You and I do the same thing. Okay, now look, look. Mr. Alex is sitting here right up here at the front. He works in children's area with me. And uh, Mr. Alex, look, I told you I was going to give you Deanne's cell phone number so you guys could coordinate the next kids' worship. I still haven't done that, okay? How many weeks ago was that? It's still on my to-do list on my phone, okay? It's not doing any good. I need to follow through with that. Okay, so will you forgive me for that? Okay, and I will send that to you. It happens all the time in our life. Alex, I will send it to you. I promise I will send it to you. You see what I have to do? I have to start promising things because my words by themselves don't hold enough weight. Have you ever sworn on mama's grave? Well, mama's grave's what's got the weight right now, not you, because mama was a good woman. But that's what we do. I swear over my dead body. Be glad that hasn't come true before you fulfill that promise. See, we have to find things that have weight to add to our own words. And Jesus says, no, let your yes be yes. And by itself, it is going to hold the weight. Why? Because your response is going to add the truth into that statement. It's when our response doesn't add the truth. That's when things get difficult. And that's the part that's going to be uncomfortable for you today. Why? Well, because I've made a laundry list of stuff. But I've also got a laundry list of scripture that makes us go, oh, it's not what I wanted to hear. For instance, um, when I was uh, talking to Emma about the pool, did I have the best intentions? 
Yeah. Did I speak falsely to her that morning? No, I wanted to go to the pool. It's 95 degrees outside. I wanted to do that. But here's what happened. I spoke as if I was in control of life. Proverbs 16, 9. A man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord determines his steps. We make all kinds of plans. In fact, it's so easy for us to forget, but James chapter 4 shared it with us. He told us this already just a few sermons ago. Um, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. I memorize a verse off of some CDs that I give to parents sometimes called Seeds. And, and one of the verses that I memorize says this, All men are like grass, and their glories are like the fields. Uh, and their glories are like, the, sorry, I have to sing it. All men are like grass, and all their glories are like the flowers of the fields. The grass withers, and the flowers fall. Huh. My life does go like that. It is a vapor. It is a flower. But you know how the verse ends? But the word of the Lord stands forever. It's his truth that our world needs. It's his truth that we need to be okay listening to, even when it hurts, and saying, okay, Lord, I'm listening. I'm paying attention. Okay, Lord, so you want to pry that out of my heart right now? Okay, okay. Ooh, Lord, you want me to do what? Okay, as difficult as it is, I will. Many plans are in a man's heart, but the Lord's decree will prevail. So what does this look like in our life? When do we fall short? Well, we fall short when we um, have ultimatums. Have you ever said this? I would never do that. Maybe you watch someone do something, you disagreed with what they did, and you say, I wouldn't do that. Can you believe what they just did? Peter did it. The night Jesus said he was going to deny him, Peter said, look, everybody else may fall away, Lord, but I won't. Listen to what Hannah wrote in her prayer after giving her son Samuel to Eli the priest. 1 Samuel 2, 3. Boast no more so very proudly. Do not let arrogance come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and with him actions are weighed. Proverbs 16, 2. All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. See, what God says is, yeah, you, you may have all the best intentions. You may make plans, but, but you're not in control. And, and don't forget, I can see your heart. I can see where you really are. And if you want to get technical, I can see that you're already not going to follow through with that commitment. Where have we not followed through? Well, um, when we gossip, when we talk about people behind their back, 
Um, we don't follow through when we say, hey, I'll pray for you. And then we never say a thing. We're guilty of it. We fall short um, as a church when we stand up and sing songs on screens, the words, but we're not living what we're singing. Those are the words coming out of our mouth. And when we do that and our words lose weight, do you know what happens to the rest of the world? The rest of the world wants nothing to do with us. Okay, I told you this was going to be uncomfortable today. It's about to get uncomfortable. For some of you, it, it, this isn't going to apply. But for a lot of you, this is. In Matthew 33, if you look at the two verses, sorry, Matthew 5, 33, if you look at the two verses right before, 31 and 32, it says this, it was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. The subject of divorce is what led into Jesus saying, let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you know anything about that, and I had a privilege of teaching a class not too long ago about the subject. Why? Probably because my parents divorced when I was young. Um, and I looked through God's word. God, when, when is divorce okay? This is the only instance that he says it's okay. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? I don't know your situation. I don't know where you are and that type of thing. But the subject of divorce is being used right now by the homosexual community. Recently, Recently, our um, government decided, hey, it's okay for uh, a man and another man to marry or a woman and another woman to marry. Most of us in this church, not all of us, agree with that statement. I mean, I mean, disagree with that statement, okay? And would say, and would say, no, the way God's word is written says that it should be one man and one woman, okay? None hardly any of us would argue with that based on scripture. I don't know where you stand on that issue, but here's what's interesting. The homosexual community has said, you don't care about marriage. You don't care about marriage. Your divorce rate's just like everybody else's. If it was so important for one man and one woman to be together, why are you doing the same things with it that everybody else is? a valid point because there are a lot of people who can hear my voice either online in this room in the worship center you divorced for reasons other than what Jesus said you could but you want to know the crazy part Jesus even addressed this certificate of divorce and this is what he told the guys this is what he told the Pharisees he said, look, the only reason God even gave you the certificate of divorce out is because of your hard hearts. Because in his design, that wasn't supposed to happen. That's tough for us to hear. For some of us, you're already thinking about what you're going to email me 
or even better, like the gossip piece, you'll email the pastor instead of me. Because you don't like what I just said, guess what? I didn't say it. It's the Holy Spirit showing you that sometimes as sinners, we mess up. We fail. We do things because we want to do them, not because that's what God is asking us to do. Now, for those of you who've never been divorced, don't get on your high horse. Please don't. Well, my marriage is great. Some of you are emotionally divorced and you still live in the same house. You haven't cared for each other in a long time. Some of you think we'll never get divorced. I had the audacity to stand up at my wedding and say that. Divorce is not an option. Oh, I am, I am going to do everything in my power to make that yes a yes. That my vows that I took, I am going to fulfill. But is marriage easy? No, it's not. Is it difficult? Yes. Do I fail? My own spouse at times? You bet. It's hard because it's two sinners. See, we will make statements and we will even follow through with actions, but we don't follow through with the response and the commitment and the truth of, of saying yes, yes, no, no. That's the reality of it. So since I'm stepping on toes, let's just keep stomping, okay? Because this one is stomping on my own toes. And this one's not going to be very comfortable for our church. But in light of this week's events, here's how our speech, here's why Jesus says guard your speech so much. Be careful what you say. Because I know that there are people who... Um, will say things like blue lives matter, all lives matter, black lives matter. Sometimes camping in one space only. Sometimes being in all spaces. But church, look around the room. We're not that diverse, are we? Yet we live in the middle of communities of different races. That's not fun to hear, but it's true. When is the last time our words of God loves all men, he wants all men to come to know him, were followed up with actions that show that? In my life, I focus on my job and my family and I'm not helping like I could. And if you feel heavy about that right now, like I said, don't run from it. Just say, God, where is my heart really? Is it really so focused on myself that, that, I, that I don't care about others? Because here's the reality. No matter what statement you make, especially, well, I mean, is, is every action of every police officer always right? No, they're sinners. 
is every action of every person who encounters a police officer who's, who's in the middle of being questioned or, or caught doing something, or, or is all, are all their actions right? No, they're sinners. And so we have to be careful of just standing on one platform and yelling, we support that or we support that. We have to be extremely careful about that because there are times where our words are going to be proven wrong. So what do we stand on? We stand on the truth that only God provides. That truth is his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I have come to draw all men to me. So yes, all lives do matter to him. They must matter to us. And here's what's amazing about standing on Jesus' truth. His words are always truth. He does not have to say, I promise, or swear on Mary's grave. He doesn't have to. Here's what his words have done. Listen to this. His words have rebuked. That's uncomfortable. His words have loved. His words have told the future and talked about the past. His words comforted two sisters whose brothers passed away, and then his words brought that brother back to life. One of my favorite examples of his words is the night he's arrested. The night he's arrested to go to trial and to down a cross for you, they come up to him and he asks, who are you looking for? And they say, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am he. And those words knocked them to the ground. The people picked themselves back up off the ground and he said, who are you looking for? Uh, Jesus of Nazareth? That's me. Let these other men go. They've done nothing. Jesus' words are so powerful. And that's what our world needs. That's what we need. Right here. We need God to show us. God, where, where are we falling short? God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to respond? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to not say? I'm going to finish with some words from him. And then I'm going to give you a chance to respond. Matthew 12 34 says this, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The words that come out of our mouth start here. It's here that needs changing. Once this changes, then this changes. But do you remember what he said? Anything less than yes, yes, no, no is of the evil, is of the evil one. Because the evil one is about lies and falsehoods. He's the father of it. He will tempt us. He will divide us. Jesus even said when he was accused of being one of, one of uh, Satan's workers, that's the only way he could drive out demons, he said, no, a divided kingdom cannot stand. 
The church must unite, both internally as a capital C church. This is what he said, um, verse 36 and 37 in Matthew 12. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an account for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. I think that's why James ended, James 5.12, with, let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest you be, what? Judged. Yeah. Because it's going to happen. We will be accountable for everything we say. And what's going to back up what we say is our actions or our lack of. That's the reality of it. It's uncomfortable to hear, but today, if God is asking you to do something, then do it. Some of you, God is asking you, and this is crazy, to call your ex, who's already remarried, so are you, and to apologize for not taking seriously the vows that you made the day that you said it. Some of you are going to have to do that. It's not going to be easy. Some of you are going to have to actually put word, I mean, put action to the words that you've said, and you're going to have to step out of some things that you're used to doing that are comfortable, that you like, to be able to sacrifice and to come along with people who are hurting, who need help, where things have happened unjustly. That's not easy. But that's what the body of Christ does. With Christ as the head and all of us as the many parts, we work together, we unite. Because united, we can do exactly what God has asked us to do. There's division everywhere. And I'll just be frank with you, there's division between um, service hours. But you know that. Don't like the music over there or... I don't like that they don't do this or that they do too much of this. I mean, our own church is divided at times. There's division amongst us. And it's killing what we could be doing. God is saying, stop. When you say it, follow through with it so that your responses will be authentic, be full of truth, and here's the cool part. I can bring couples up here right now who could stand here and, and although there was marital infidelity and although they were given permission to divorce, they didn't. They fought through it. They worked hard. And now they are a living, breathing example of what true reconciliation that can only come from God looks like. And they love each other more than they ever have. When our world sees that, they will pay attention to everything else we say. When our world sees healing, reconciliation, division being pushed aside, they will start paying attention. Because we know what's going to happen if we leave it alone. It's going to get worse. The church must lead this. We have to. The world's not going to lead it of its own because the prince of this world wants to keep it the mess that it is and wants to watch it all implode. Whatever God is asking you to do today, please do it. Please follow through with it. Watch your words carefully. 
and let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now and we thank you so much for today. As much as we don't want to hear it, Lord, we thank you that first of all, you loved us. You died for us while we were yet sinners. And I think that's why you told us in Chronicles to, well, to seek your face, to pray to you, to humble our hearts, to recognize you as sovereign and in control of all things, not us. I think that's why you you told us that if we will if we will humble ourselves and if we will seek your face if we will pray but lord it's that last one if we will turn from our wicked ways that's the hardest part right now that's what many people who can hear my voice right now are struggling with the embarrassment of having to talk to somebody and admit to something but lord it's that release of letting go that allows you to start working we no longer hold on to stuff as if it belongs to us and that includes our sin Lord you work miracles in that you hear from heaven you forgive and you heal our land needs healing our church needs healing Lord we need healing speak to us today we pray these things in Jesus name